buongiorno and welcome to my podcast my way of thinking or more what for short hosted by me lee greeno here live from the man cave every week hope you're all doing well and not too depressed at the awful weather and the new lockdown thingy-majiggy whatever's going on um this they've started saying this thing about circuit breaker what the fuck circuit breaker what's that all about they come out with these fancy words, circuit breaker. That was some off a video game when I was a lad. Anyway, <laughs> enough of that rubbish. Uh, now, my way of thinking is all about us, amazing human beings that all have a story to tell. Those stories come massive. Oh, every goddamn podcast. I'm changing it. I'm changing it. Now, those stories can vary massively. But... <laughs> With the guests I'll be interviewing, you will always be able to take a little bit of advice or insight into how extraordinary we can all be. Boom. Remember, four rules, one, no bullshitting, two, no judging, three, no negativity, and four, have fun. Oh, yeah. Now, today, I am talking with James, all the way from Dan Seth, Dan Essex. That's a terrible terrible accent of mine uh impression sorry yes james is what a guest what a guest you're gonna love this podcast james has been through an awful awful situation and he has come out the other end so positive and turned his life around and is such an inspiration i really enjoyed speaking to james uh, just a great guy got on like a house on fire um, and I think you're going to enjoy this. So here we go. This is me speaking with Jane. Okay, so welcome to My Way of Thinking. And today we have a very special guest. It's James. Woo! Welcome, James. You okay? How's things? Good. We had a bit of a balls up earlier, didn't we? A little bit, yeah. A little bit. <laughs> <laughs> he was... you didn't want to do the Zoom from my car. It's your, you know, I was, yeah. I was there. <laughs> Oh, bless you. I could see the guilt in your eyes. Yeah, I did feel pretty bad. But thanks for having me, man. Thanks so much. No problem at all. No problem at all. I know exactly what it's like. And uh, I forget things all the time, so don't worry about it. It was cool. But great great to have you on. We're going to get stuck into everything about you uh, shortly. But whenever I start the uh, podcast, I always like to talk about a couple of uplifting things that I've seen in the news, because I read a lot of news. A lot of news is shite at the minute, as you're aware. Um, Mm -hmm. But there's always some little bits of positivity in there, and uh, it's usually containing animals, because I love animals. You an animal lover, James? Uh, No, not really. I don't mind an animal. Great. That's great. (laughs) 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 No, that's fine. Well, (laughs) Well, to be fair... Uh, what are you saying about my wife? Uh, so, <laughs> to be fair, um, I never used to be as much lover of animals as I am now. Um, obviously, my kids are growing up. Your kids are still fairly young. My kids are growing up now. And we've sort of, I started off with one cat, and now we've got chickens and everything. So, you know, it's, yeah. it's an evolutionary thing. Yeah, right. good protein every day, though. Hey, eh? Well, yeah. <laughs> Don't say that. I have thought about it with the chickens, to be fair. Right. <laughs> they shit everywhere. Anyway, <laughs> now, this, is one, this is one for you. Now, this was this morning that made me laugh. Eric Smith's mum buried 
what she mistakenly thought was their beloved family cat, Kitty, in the back garden after spotting a dead animal near their family home. Now, a man shared his shock after his mum accidentally buried the wrong animal in the back garden. Uh, voiceover artist Eric shared the hilarious tale which took place over text messages. And he, cap he captioned the set of text messages as you guys would not believe the rollercoaster of emotions I've just been through. And everyone's pissing themselves on Twitter. What basically happened was his mum saw their cat um, lying by the side of the road. So, and he was at work. So she thought, oh, this is terrible. You know, what are we going to do? So she, she thought, I'll bury it in a nice spot out of the garden. Um, and she started texting him and said, look, you know, son, I'm really sorry. The cat's dead. He's crying his eyes oh. out. Oh, no, no, no. I'll come home. No, it's all right. I've dealt with it. He's buried. It's all sorted. It's oh, the no. name of the cat, which is a bit of a pain. Um, it might have been Kitty. So anyway, he comes home. They have a little bit of a funeral out back in the garden. You know, love this cat. It was great. Meowed all the time. Blah, blah, blah. Goes back in the house. Looks out the window. And there's Kitty sitting on the wall. <laughs> Goes, Mom, what the fuck? <laughs> what you done? And she buried the wrong cat. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it wasn't their cat. Uh, so, yeah, I thought that was that, that did make me uh, laugh. And then the other, uh, the other thing, which is pet related, because this, this does resonate with me. Uh, yeah. This guy has basically, this man, uh, a man who adopted two pet geese during lockdown has started taking them to his local pub wearing nappies. Will you believe this? This guy, he, he can't have much of a life. Sven Kirby, 34, spotted walking the birds. He called them Norbit and Beep Beep uh, around the streets of Leeds. Hey up, Leeds. Um, this, the, the admin assistant hand reared the birds from five days old after buying them for forty pound each in June. He lets them have free reign in the house. God knows what the house smells like. Um, and he's got a pen in the garden. Uh, Sven, who lives on his own, surprise, surprise, uh, said, "I know, yeah. I know, a goose is a strange pet, but it's something different that I've wanted for a while. I could have got a dog, but as a full, but I work full time. I didn't think that was fair. Geese require much less attention." I love the two of them. They're brilliant characters and fun. And the only problem was, obviously, they crap everywhere, i.e. same yeah. as the chickens. Uh, so what he did, he went out on, onto a site, I think in America or something, and they do nappies. So he That doesn't surprise me. They got pictures of these two geese wearing nappies. He takes to the bottom. <laughs> Did we not get to see the picture? Uh, no, because I can't get the camera around to it. Oh, that's it. Um, but... This made me chuckle because when we had chickens, we had Darlene and Wendy, my daughter, yeah. who's uh, 11, well, she's 12 now, she's just turned 12. Uh, she wanted to bring them in the house. I said, look, they're a farmyard animal. They're not coming in the house because apparently they can't control their poo, their crap. Mm -hmm. um, so I said, no way. Well, she said, well, we can buy them nappies. And I went, you don't buy chickens nappies. Don't talk crap. Uh, and now she's seen this, and guess what? She's on eBay, looking every day. She's going to oh, nip one. It's a nightmare. I said that. Keep your mouth shut, mate. <laughs> I can't, I can't, I can't think what was going through this guy's head when he thought, well, I can't, I can't have a dog, and he obviously didn't think, well, I could get a cat or maybe a gerbil or you know a rabbit, and he thought I'm going to get a geese. Like who the fuck has a geese? In I know. Their house? Yeah. That's not normal. No, he says, uh, he says he what? works, he what? works five days a week. What? I'm surprised uh, uh, he puts them in the boot of his car to take them for walks on Friday evenings uh, and then pops down the pub 
Uh, we went to the pub with Norbit and Beat Beat, just stood by my side. I drunk a pint. It was good fun. Everyone loved it. <laughs> Mate, they should make a movie out of this guy's life. I know, yeah. What would we call it? Like, it'd be like a Family Guy sequel or something crazy. Yeah, yeah. Nappies. What was this guy's name? Do we know his name? Yeah, Sven. Uh, what's his name? Sven. Sven. Oh, yeah. Sven Kirby is 34 leads. Fev, you're up there. Not, uh, yeah, DM, him DM him up on uh, Facebook or Instagram, I swear. Oh, I hate these, mate. They just, like, when I'm playing golf, they're always yeah. on a golf course and they're just shit everywhere. Like, oh, absolutely they're, everywhere. They're, vicious, they're vicious as well. I mean, he's got yeah. a picture of them right next to his face. They bite. They don't let go. They so are. has he got reins for them and all that? Has he no, got, like, leads? No. Well, the picture he's got with him, they're just walking side by side and he's there. It's a bit weird, to be honest with really. you. to their own, I guess. The guy don't look all there, to be fair. Anyway. No. <laughs> oh, you're a golf man. I'm a golf man. Ooh, we'll talk about that Wicked, later. yeah. Awesome. We'll have to have a round out after we play pool. <laughs> oh, yeah. Anyway, what's your playoff? Uh, 18. Ooh, not bad, not yeah. bad. That's a bit not of a bandit. It's not bad. <laughs> right then. Okay, so James, so this podcast is all about you, what went on, what you've been up to, what you've been through, things like that. We know mental health is a big thing that we want to talk about and cover. So first of all, let's talk about growing up. Whereabouts, whereabouts did you grow up, James? I, I grew up down uh, in Hertfordshire in Essex. Oh, right, yeah. You've got the accent, yeah. Uh, uh, I've got an accent, yeah, I guess, yeah. You've got a bit of a, that, that's a terrible impression. The reason I say that is my brother-in-law's from Brentwood. So, uh-huh. oh yeah, Brentwood's can, nice. can hear a, a bit of your uh, accent from there. And how yeah. was growing up? Was it good there? you enjoy it? Um, yeah, growing up, do you know what? Growing up was like absolutely perfect. My parents gave me everything. Um, we used to go on like, amazing holidays. My dad was uh, a research scientist. My sister's... Uh, worked very you know very hard and they were extremely intelligent and and well-behaved girls um so i had yeah i had a great upbringing um and yeah my like i think you know i think my parents just loved me you know yeah more than than i could ever have asked for you know oh that's Um, good that's good yeah it's important isn't it and i think when you have your own kids as well that comes through you know what I mean? Mm. Because, you know, when growing up, I had hard times, but my mum loved me to bits, you know, and, you know, and I think that, that comes out when you have your own kids, you know, and you give them a cuddle and you're like, you know, everything will be okay. It, definitely, God bless them, good old parents. So yeah. what happened school? So school-wise, what was it? What was school like? Yeah, it was tricky. I, um, I like, <clears throat> yeah, like I said, my parents gave me everything, but, my sister told me a funny story the other day, actually. Basically, I've yeah. always had trouble behaving. Um, apparently, when I was in reception, I uh, all the kids had, like, their lunch boxes in, like, these, like, you know, like this. And apparently, I went and switched all the lunch boxes around. Um, and apparently, it caused absolute, like, <laughs> havoc in the reception. Yeah. And so, I was always a little bit of a uh, rascal. So... Yeah, that gives you a bit of a picture. And then it just kind of carried on through my kind of childhood and, and, and you know, growing up. And just I just used to quite enjoy it, you know, mis- misbehaving and having a bit of a crack. And um, and then, yeah, I, I got I got diagnosed with ADHD when I was quite late diagnosis, to be fair. I was about 14. Right. Um, I started smoking weed as well. Um, yeah. And my, my mum my had literally been in the headmaster's office like every single night yeah. after school when I'd been... 
spent a lot of time in suspension. I was always in detention after school. And um, yeah, in the end, she was just like, look, she just turned me to the psychologist. She said, there's definitely something not quite right here. Um, and he said, yeah, he's, he's, he's got ADHD. And I had a, you know, a few different assessments. And he said he'd been self-medicating with cannabis, um, which was interesting. Um, and then, you know, from there, I think, you know, my, my behavior just had kind of got worse. So I'd, I've always been a bit of a bit of a wheeler dealer. So I, I was yeah. like selling, uh, buying like, like massive bags of sweets uh, and then like selling them singly in school and that sort of stuff <laughs> for, for school, um, yeah. like dairy dunkers and all that sort of stuff and then just selling them off. And then, um, and then I got a fake ID. Yeah. I was buying everyone their booze and, and, you know, taking a cut and, yeah. Uh, getting cigarettes and selling the cigarettes. So I've always been a bit of a bit of a hustler, a bit of a yeah. dealer. And then I started smoking the weed and then I used to start kind of bunking off school and you know, at lunch going out for spliffs and coming back stoned and um school didn't really like it. Um, yeah. and then they ended up kicking me out. They they expelled me when I was yeah. like fifteen, just turned fifteen. Yeah. And was that it for you? When you got expelled, what happens? Oh, I guess sometimes I'll try and get you back in the system at another school um, or they'll put you with, I mean, now there's people, um, there's programs that will try and get people who have been expelled and, and try and, you know, lead them in the right direction. But back then, was it a case of just you're expelled, you're out on your ear and that's it? Um, do you know, my mum and dad managed to appeal it and um, they let me, they, they, they kicked me out and then they let me come back just to do the, the exams. Yeah, right, okay. And so, how did you get on in the exams? I actually did quite well because my mum was like, my mum was like making me revise and like she was sitting there next to me just like teaching me it all and going through it all with me. And I just hated it and I just thought, why is she making me do this? Yeah. Um, and I, I wouldn't say I resented her, but, you know, I just wanted to be out having a bit of fun, you know. Yeah. And, and I actually did quite well in the exams in the, in the end. Yeah. So, so the, potential, the, potential, the potential was there then. It's just, I suppose that's what a lot of teachers say. You know when teachers say he's got a lot of potential, um, but he can't concentrate and things like that. They say that about a lot of kids, don't they? And I think that's what it is. Um, yeah, well, they, they they feel like they have to say something nice, don't they? When they when yeah. they their kids and arsehole, basically. <laughs> yeah, but it's difficult at that age. Um, you know, I talk about this time and time again. You don't know what you want to do with life. You don't know where you want to be, and it's confusing, especially if you had ADHD as well. You know what I mean? Mm, yeah, it was just I just used to enjoy having fun. They took us to France to Normandy, I think it was, and yeah. I. And I I found a shop and it was just full of like bangers, you know, the bangers that you like. Yeah, and yeah, them, yeah, like, yeah. Um, and so we bought loads of bangers and we were just like letting them off in the in, in the corridors. And then one of the lads threw one of the bangers in the headmaster's on, on the deputy head's uh, room, opened his room, threw it in there. And uh, so we were just letting these bangers off. And that really annoyed them as well. <laughs> So I bet the teachers were like, James, he's a little shit. <laughs> yeah, but I, I was just having fun, you know. Like, I was, yeah. I, was, I was a teenager. Like, I just wanted to have fun, you know. Yeah. I, wanted things to, I wanted things to be a little bit of a joke, you know. And I just felt this, the school was just way too kind of, like, strict and, like, regiment, you know. I just wanted yeah. to, to be a kid, you know. Yeah, yeah. So, where did, so after school, what, what happened then? Where did you go then? 
I I just started um, kept smoking weed and like drinking, going out drinking and kind of mixing with the the wrong the wrong kind of people really, um, yeah. bad influences and um, there was a guy, an older guy who was just always there. He was in like his forties and he was always like with us. He had loads of money and like cars and like loads of. He was always had loads of drugs and like he was always taking us to like parties and stuff. And it was really cool. I never really thought. Yeah. Like it was weird at the time. Yeah. Um, and, and anyway, he ended up uh, drugging me and, and sexually abusing me. Um, and yeah, on multiple, on multiple occasions, a couple of times, like kidnapped me and took me away and, and, and abused me. One time they took me to like a graveyard, him and his nephew, and just beat me up middle of the night, just beat me up and just trying to instill fear into me. And um threatening my family uh, my you know throwing they threw like bricks at my parents house and um yeah that that all happened in the space of like like probably like two months or less yeah um, so it escalated really quick then from you partying and enjoying yourself to meeting this guy and just fuck just seriously getting nasty yeah rapidly rapidly and um yeah, like that's when that's when things kind of started to go go down. Yeah, I can imagine. What was so you were with these people then, and obviously, you know, they were nasty pieces of work. Um, did at any time you think you could get out of it, or was it a case of you just had to go with the flow because you were in too deep? Or how, how did that work? I was just terrified. Man. Yeah, like yeah, like I just remember one time I was I was completely. Like I was drugged and I wasn't with it, and I was kind of like half with it, half not with it. Barely being able to like move, and we, I was in like the passenger seat of the car. I won't go into any details, but there was someone else in the back, and he'd like dropped the other person off at this petrol gauge, told him to run in there so he could then drive off with me, and you know, like abuse me. Um, and I just remember being like half with it, kind of know, knowing what was going on, and not but not actually being able to do anything, you know. And I can still I can still feel his feel his hands, you know, his rough, yeah, uh, his rough hands. But anyway, I, I don't want to go into you know yeah, detail. Yeah, of course. But, yeah, um, cool. yeah. I was just completely shell shocked, man. Like, yeah. And then it, it was just like my like a someone had dropped a massive atom bomb, you know, on my life. And, God, yeah. Um, How old were you at this point, James? Fifteen. Fifteen. God, it's yeah. nothing, is it? Fifteen. Yeah. Jeez. And so yeah, thing, things kind of you know started falling apart really from there. Yeah, yeah. So what happened then? So going down the line, obviously this was this was horrendous. How long did it go on for? Uh, like it was over probably about two, two or three months in total. Yeah, God. Um, he he ended up getting sent to prison for for some other stuff, um, and that was how it. That was literally how it stopped. Oh, God, I bet you were relieved. Well, I suppose you didn't really... I bet you were relieved, but you really didn't know... I suppose you were kind of numb, weren't you? What was going on? Or what? Um, I, I don't know, man. It's all hard, very hard to explain. Um, but, yeah, yeah, I was... I was, Mate, I was so relieved when he, when he got sent down and I, I knew that I wouldn't have him kind of turning up outside my house or, you know, trying to, trying to drag me out of where I lived one time. And, yeah. you know... Yeah. So not out of that concern. God. Yeah, yeah. I was massively, massively relieved, man. 
Yeah. So did then, so, but obviously by this time, I would guess you were mixing with the wrong people anyway. So did that lead down another sort of path? I take it. Yeah. I just, um, just turned, turned to kind of more, more, more harder drugs, you know, I started taking cocaine pretty much every single day, you know, MDMA going raving. And, um, that was, that was kind of my way of releasing. That was my way of, that was my way of numbing, numbing the pain, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And not having to, not having to kind of think and face up to what had happened, you know? And, um, I think what made it worse was that I was in denial about it as well. Like I, Obviously, like being a, being a young man, like yeah. no one wants to really admit that that's happened, you know, even to them to themselves. Gotcha. And so, my my girlfriend at the time was actually in the car one of the times when it had happened. And she was like pretty much sober. She watched it all, um, and so she knew it happened. And, and but I didn't want to admit. I didn't want to admit to myself, and I didn't want to hear her say it. Like I didn't. I just said, no, it didn't happen. It didn't happen. And I just didn't want to, you know. Yeah, I just didn't want to admit it happened, mate. I was so embarrassed about it, like that mm. I'd, that I'd let almost let it happen, you know. Even though looking back, there was nothing I could do at the time. I thought, why couldn't I have just, you know, beat him up? Why couldn't I have just fought back? Why couldn't I have, you know, took a weapon and kind of knocked him out or whatever, you know? And there was yeah. all of this, like, you know, go, going round in my head, like, why couldn't I have defended myself? Why couldn't I have stopped it happening? But you know. Like most of the times it happened, you know, the majority I was drugged at the end of the day. Yeah. Like I, I still kind of, you know, resented myself for the fact that it had happened, you know? Yeah. I mean, um, it's, it's difficult enough to process that when you're an adult. When you're a 15 year old kid, you, you haven't got a prayer, have you? You get no chance of trying to process something like that. It's horrendous. Yeah. So I lost my, my confidence, my, um, my self esteem, my dignity, my manhood. And and I lost respect for myself, you know. I completely lost lost respect for for who I was. Um, and you know, losing those five things was was you know that was that was it. Yeah, you know? I was yeah. a complete shell of a man, and um, I just turned to drink and drugs in a hard way. Yeah. Um, and you know, I, can't, I I think for for many years I was well for probably about four years, four or five years I was just you know I don't really remember having a day that I was sober. Yeah. Um, God. And, you know, I had to, I had to feed my lifestyle, my habit. And so I was, you know, selling drugs, kind of went from selling the cigarettes to, to selling, selling, selling bags sweets, of weed and, selling, yeah. yeah, yeah, bags of weed and cocaine and, and all sorts of things and, um, getting myself in quite a lot of trouble with the law. Yeah. Um, just going down a going down dark road, really, mate. I was. Yeah, it sounds like you were pushing and pushing and pushing to, you know what I mean. Till I don't know, till you exploded. Basically, you were put something out to give. You know what I mean. It was mm. almost. It sounds like almost you were trying to kill yourself by just drinking and and taking drugs. You know what I mean. I, I mean, I don't know if that's. But I, it's that... I mean, yeah, to an extent, I'd just given up. I'd completely mm. given up. I didn't. I didn't want to. Like when I was sober, I had to start thinking about yeah. you know what, what had happened, and and I and I wasn't going to let that happen. I didn't yeah. want that to happen. Yeah. So as far as the old bill concerned, then, uh, what happened there then? Um, I ended up getting sent down when I was uh, nineteen, nearly twenty, yeah. um, for for robbery. Um, so I'd been like selling drugs for years, and and I 
I, had, I ended up getting busted and I was up in court um, and police were all over me. And so that kind of revenue stream of, you know, rev revenue stream kind of, you know, dwindled into nothing and then uh, still needed to feed my kind of habits and my lifestyle. So I just started robbing people, yeah. you know, bags, handbags, anything. Like I was in, I was in a, it was desperate. It was extremely desperate. Yeah. And I made a lot of, lot of massive mistakes that, you know, I'll probably regret for the rest of my life. Um, but, you know, looking back and, and obviously I got busted and then I got, you know, sent down, I got put on remand and, um, went guilty and I got sentenced, um, to, to just under three years. Um, and yeah, look, I mean, looking back, you know, it was getting, getting put that put away was probably one of the, one of the best things that happened to me really. Yeah. Um, yeah. What yeah. was, when, when would you say was a big wake up call? Was it actually while you're in prison or was it the day you got sentenced? Because I would guess if you've been wheeling and dealing for four years and never gone to prison, I would guess you started thinking, hey, oh, I'm getting away with this here. You know what I mean? And then all of a sudden you're in court and they go, right, three years. Was that, how did that feel? Um, well, I'd been given a two-year suspended sentence about a year or so before. Yeah. And so I knew that I was like kind of walking on thin ice yeah. anyway. Um, and, yeah, like I think I had so much, so much drugs in my system um, it was probably a few, you know, a good few, three or four days before it really sank in. So I, kept, I was just telling myself, this isn't real, this isn't real, this isn't real. Yeah. And then I think one morning I, I was in HMP Bedford and I just woke up. Um, and it was, I, I say it was literally like waking up after a five year long nightmare to realize that it wasn't a nightmare. Like the, yeah. the, that whole five years had been a complete blur, you know, like I said, been, like out of my nut, you know, completely to intoxicated for the whole time. And then, you know, one morning I woke up and like, I was like, shit, all of that, all, everything, all of that's actually really happened. Yeah, and I'm yeah. now in cell and I've got to, you know, I've got to pay the price. Um, yeah. But like I said, one of the best things that ever happened to me, you know. Yeah. In jail then, was it, was that where you started processing it? And is that where, because you could have gone to jail and you could have gone down and even more, or is that where you went in and then all of a sudden it was like, right, I can get myself sorted in here. Obviously, well, I would guess you can get certain drugs in there, but, but you, 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 you started processing it and getting straight in there. Is that right? Yeah, definitely. I definitely got sober. I still smoked a little bit of weed every every now and again, but um, you know, on the whole, I got sober. And yeah, it was it was kind of when when I was locked up. I was in I was in Glen Parver up north in Leicester, actually. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I was I was um, my yeah, I just started getting really depressed and like all these like kind of flashbacks and memories from the past, and I was having bad nightmares started coming to me and. I ended up being diagnosed with, with uh, uh, PTSD and depression yeah. um, and put on a load of medication. Um, and yeah, I just had to start really, you know, processing every, everything that had happened. And, and, you know, like I say, all these memories come back and it was very hard. It was, it was, it was very, very tough. Was the prison system very good at helping you deal with that? Did you have therapy in there or how was it in there? I've got to say they 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 were pretty good to be fair. Like I think yeah, especially with with mental health, like they they really really were on it. You know, like they yeah. they really really were. I, I think if, if anything, they're a bit quick to put people on medication. 
Yeah. Um, but they're just watching their backs. Like they, 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 they couldn't really, they probably wouldn't get taken to court for putting someone on medication, yeah. but they could get taken to court for not putting someone on medication yeah. and then, and then yeah. them, them kind of, you know, for example, killing themselves. But yeah. so they, they were good, maybe a bit too quick to do that. But yeah, they, they, on the whole, they were good. And like I used to have a nurse, the, the mental health nurse would come and see me once a week, check in, make sure I'm okay. Um, and, uh, in one of the, in one of the prisons in a, in one of the young offenders I had acupuncture. So yeah, I think, <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. Um, yeah, I got to go to this room. There was about there was like four chairs. It was it was all dim. Like they'd have like uh, nice curtains over the window, and they'd have these kind of almost like big massive massage chair things. Yeah. Um, and there'd be four in the room, and there, it was quite a fit bird actually doing it as well. <laughs> And she she put on this like really relaxing music, and she basically put these needles in our heads. Yeah, needles, acupuncture, and then she'd just sit at the front. And we'd just be like relaxing. Yeah, with stiffy. You know, I'm just, um, <laughs> <laughs> and um, and she'd just be reading us like a story. You know, imagine imagine you're walking along the beach. Yeah. You know, Sanding water in your toes and all this, and 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 I thought, flipping it, this is this is amazing that we're, we're getting this support. Yeah, but, yeah. You know, painting a pretty good picture of prison, you know, it wasn't. I remember. You know, I, I did my I did my time, you know. I didn't. It wasn't like an easy ride. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, I had a, a, a trapped nerve in my neck, um, mm. and I had to have acupuncture. And I never forget. I was I was lying face down. Uh, and this weren't a good-looking woman. This was she looked evil. She was about ninety, typically. Um, and she started putting acute. She didn't even tell me. She started putting needles in me, and then she goes, "Oh, I'll be back in twenty minutes." And I was, I was literally. I thought, "Oh, I'm not happy." I lifted my head up, and there's like needles there, so you couldn't move. I was just covered in them, and I had to just stay there for twenty minutes. She just pissed off. I was paying God knows how much money. I thought, "Yeah, you know what you're doing there, love." <laughs> I don't know if it worked. Risky, isn't it? Having a ninety-year-old putting needles in you. In you. Oh, when she took them out, I thought, make sure you take them all out. I've heard horror stories where they leave fucking one in. Anyway. <laughs> uh, <laughs> anyway. Um, as far yeah, as like, so, your view on prison then is: if other people go to prison, would you say? Obviously, it's not positive, but would you say that as far as rehabilitation? Um, it is pretty good. Oh, yeah, def I think you know. I think if you want to change your life, like if you've if you've if you fucked up and you've got sent down and you want to you want to you know make make things right, you want to change. Yeah. And you're, you know you're committed to that. Yeah. Then then there's, there's yeah they'll support you all the way, and I think people That's can definitely good. do it. People have got to want to though. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. Oh yeah. I totally understand. But that's a good thing because I know you might have some people that slag the prison system off and, but, but that's good that you're saying that if you go in there and you want to change and you want to be better, it's there for you, which is a bloody good, you know, which is, which is great, which says a lot about the system and the people that work there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I still wasn't in a great, a great place. I mean, I was pissing around quite a lot to be fair in there. You know, I, I was, I was in in Bedford, and I heard my 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 abuser was in uh, Peterborough. I'd heard on the grapevine that he was in Peterborough, and I worked out that actually Peterborough was in the catchment area for for Bedford. Yeah. Uh, so if I got kicked out of Bedford, I'd get taken to Peterborough. So I just started smashing cells up. They put me down in a seg. Um, 
smashed the seg up every every day. I was just smashing my cell up and saying, I want to move, I want to go to Peterborough, I want to go to Peterborough. Yeah. And then they moved me after a few weeks down in solitary. And then I got to Peterborough and obviously I couldn't get to my, my abuser. I, I just couldn't get to him. Maybe he was on the non-string. I don't know where he was. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, and then Peterborough was like a private uh, prison and, and it was like a really, really good prison. And I think, you know, if people people in, in, in those institutions, especially private ones that want to change and want to, kind of better their lives and want to do like courses and yeah. kind of develop their like you know skills or or knowledge in certain areas then there's there is a world of opportunities mate you know oh, that's good that's good that's working good so so then you leave prison um eventually how long did you serve in the end um about 18 months okay okay and when you came out so what so when you came out i, I would guess you know, you've started to get yourself sorted, but you're still not, you know, you've still got a long road of recovery, I would guess. Mm, yeah, definitely. Um, came out, um, yeah, and I was obviously still extremely depressed. Um, uh, I mean, there's there's a lot of twists and turns, mate, but like, you know, I started kind of drinking again. Yeah. Um, and it, it was just like, you know, it didn't it didn't help obviously and yeah. I got kicked out of one place I was living and, and put in another place and then I got kicked out of there and um just kind of moving around and, and anyway I found a church found a church okay. community in um in the West Midlands and um that church saved my life, you know. That yeah. church saved my life. They 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 just, you know, welcomed me in with open arms and I literally, I, they knew that I hadn't long been out of prison and I, I had my trousers halfway down my ass and my, my hat behind my back and, uh, behind, you know, hat backwards and, and they just loved me and they just wanted to support me and they obviously saw some potential in me and um, they just welcomed me in, you know, it was completely were you, non-judgmental. Were you religious before that, James, or...? I what to be fair, like my parents are Christian, and oh. so I did grow up going to church, and I'd, I'd I'd always called myself a Christian. Yeah. Um, I'd always called myself a Christian. Obviously, wasn't really living like one, yeah. but um, yeah, I, I think you know, yeah, it was like, and, I, and I'd been going to church every Sunday and through 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 prison every, every single Sunday. I'd go to chapel. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, I like came back to to that. I found that church. It hadn't long started up, and um, it was just it was a complete lifesaver. Yeah. Um, but it was a it was a hard road, you know. I, I mean, I gave my gave my life to Jesus, became a Christian. Yeah. Um, and that was massive. Felt like a massive kind of weight had been been taken off my shoulders. But I was still dealing with with a lot, you know. Yeah. I was still, God, yeah. You know, obviously, all all the. I was still trying to process all the trauma and you know, I was still extremely depressed. I didn't really have anything going for me, let's be honest. Yeah. Um But that I gave you a base that gave you a base to start foundations, yeah. Yeah, yeah. To start you knew you could go there and it was a safe place and people, you know, loved you and uh cared for you. Um and mm. I suppose that 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 sort of you start thinking well actually that's a safe place and that you can build on that i would guess yeah and i think the biggest thing like 
I, one of the biggest things I learned was, I mean, I've read it in the Bible, but it applies to everyone, whatever religion or whoever you are. It said, surround yourself with wise people and you become wise. Surround yourself with fools and you suffer harm. And like, you know, I'd been in my, you know, uh, growing up, you know, I'd been surrounded by wise people and, you know, everything's all good. And then I started surrounding myself with fools and, you know, I suffered, you know, catastrophic harm. And then, so I realized, you know, I need to, need to, you know, change the people that I'm surrounding myself with. And I think that was the, definitely the first step. Yeah. Um, and, and like I said, there's a few twists and turns. I actually ended up going back to prison because I got recalled. I got recalled for bad behavior. So I missed a couple <laughs> of appointments. Um, they sent me back to, to do like the last nine months of my license. Yeah. So I did that. And then, and then, and, and then came out. I don't usually tell people that because it's all just like two yeah, months. Yeah. But anyway, um, and then, and then came back, back to the church and I would, but, this is when I was in a very, I was a very dark place now. Yeah. yeah? I was at yeah. rock bottom and I yeah. was sleeping over 18 hours every yeah. single day. So this yeah. is why at the beginning when, when we, when we were talking before we pushed recording, I was saying I need to make up for all those hours that I was sleeping. Yeah. 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 I mean. um, yeah. I, I, and, I was just extremely depressed and whenever I was awake, I was just desperately trying to get back to sleep. Um, yeah. I did not want to face the day, I, like curtains were drawn the whole time, I yeah, wasn't yeah. eating anything, I wasn't talking to anyone, you know, I'd still go out and get some alcohol and go and drink that when I had some money and, um, you know, it was just, it was just, just a terrible, terrible time, yeah. mate. It and it's easy, it's, it's so easy, isn't it, to do it and just get into a rut of keep doing it. Um, mm. But I suppose there is then there's that light bulb moment that just says, you know, you either stop it now and change mm. or, you know what I mean, you continue. What was that? What triggered that, do you think? So for me, it was, a, it was you know, a massive blessing. I heard my pastor speaking about forgiveness and I looked, at, looked back at my life and I thought, is there anyone I need to forgive? And I realized that, you know, since the, since the abuse, my life had gone downhill massively and it had a massive hold on my life. And so, um, yeah, I, I realized that, you know, I needed to take back control of my life where I completely lost control. And I realized, you know, I needed to forgive him, you know, at the end of the day for what he did to me. Um, and so I forgave him um, from the bottom of my heart, I said a prayer and forgave him and um, just took the pain away, mate. Like it, Wow. Really did take, take the pain away and all that resentment that anger that hatred that i had for him just completely disappeared um and i was able to you know that that really strengthened me you know that i you know i'd spent you know every single day ever since it had happened just hating on this person it was just eating inside yeah. eating away inside of me like a cancer you know, Martin Luther King put it put it amazingly. He said, "Drinking, uh, um, um, what, what did he say? Uh, hating, hating on something along the lines of hating on someone is like drinking poison and hoping it will kill them." Yeah, yeah, yeah. something along those lines. But yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. It's so true, man. It's so so true. You know, like all that resentment and and that wasn't affecting him you know me hating on yeah. him wasn't affecting I, him at all it's affecting it was, you in 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 a way he's still abusing you in, in a way because that hate is turning in you know it's ruining your life so he's still winning and i've said this before where 
you know, people who this I mean, yours is on a massive scale, but people who really don't get on with like family members and don't speak to them for years and mm. years and get really wound up about it. You know what I mean? Mm. You, there's a massive thing that you've said there about forgiveness, isn't there? You know, people should listen and think, wow, you know, forgiveness will, and then, and then it's on them then. You've forgiven them, it's on them then. Let them, you know what I mean? Yeah, wow. Sure. And yeah, so I, I found massive freedom from that forgiveness. And like I said, it was um, just, yeah, I was able to start growing. So, you know, I kind of decided, right, I'm not, I'm not going to suffer from, from PTSD anymore. I'm going to turn this into post-traumatic growth, yeah? Yeah. And so I started going to the gym. I gave up the uh, alcohol and, and, and the drugs um, and I started going to the gym every every single day. Um, became a bit of a gymaholic, um, but it was amazing. Like it was it was a massive, massive lifestyle change, obviously. Um, still, I still wasn't really doing a lot, but um, I had this vision for, for Everse, which is obviously what I'm doing now and what I'm wearing. Um, and so I kind of started running with that. Um, and and then yeah, I just started really kind of you know kind of building bridges and just kind of you know putting putting front you know bricks down and just trying to build my life back up you know and yeah. uh, I think obviously my faith's been massively important in that. Um, you yeah, say no, about sorry, you say about Everse. Tell us a bit about Everse, James. So yeah, Everse is a lifestyle brand. Um, ethical lifestyle brand we our mission is to help destigmatize mental health and reduce the uk statistics uh, so we sell uh, ethically made vegan friendly uh, t-shirts so these are campaigns let's have a look what's that say break the break the what's it say break the chains oh i like that <laughs> so this is that, i'll buy one of them yeah well, well, they're not launched yet but i will do when they are this is this <laughs> this <laughs> This is about breaking the chains of stigma. Um, and so, yeah, these are campaign T-shirts. And then we donate a percentage of the, the T-shirts to our CIC. I set up CIC. Um, and the CIC is, is basically in charge of putting on charity events to turn that money into more money, raise, raise money for, for mental wow. health charities working on the front line and educate people on different ways to improve their mental health. Wow. Um, so the last one we had, uh, we had a, a psychologist speaking a bit about, you know, positive psychology, looking at the links between negativity and depression. Um, we had a nutritionist speaking about obviously the links between what we eat and drink and our mental health because some people don't know, you know, about, you know, what you're putting in is coming out and, you know, how, how you know, detrimental some foods can actually be to our well-being. Um, and then we had a motivational speaker and and, and, and a prize draw and stuff. So it was it was really good. And so that's that's kind of the the, the vision moving forward. We'll be um, sharing different people's stories as well, kind of trying to inspire hope into to people in, in in different situations and um, just really trying to do some do some good in the world world, yeah. you know, and to yeah. try and make a difference. Yeah, brilliant. And uh, of course, you've got a good lady now and a nice, a nice family. What? Uh, how long have you been together? Been together a long time, or are you married? No, no, no. I'm not. I'm. I'm Why engaged. not? <laughs> I'm engaged. I'm engaged. I'm engaged. We well, dropped you in there. Dropped you in it there. <laughs> well, no, 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 no. We are engaged. We are engaged. Um, no, yeah. No, I'm happy. I'm very happy. Um, but yeah, like, like back to the mental health stuff. I'm. 
I'm, it was, it, it's been three and a bit years now since I gave up alcohol. All right. Um, I've now been off my antidepressants over a year and a half. Um, currently trying to come off the my, the final like medication that I'm on I'm, and um, just tapering myself off of that slowly, just because body my body kind of relies on it to function. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so this is all in the space of three years. I'm also ne- nearly two two years two years for a university degree as well, studying business. Um, and so, and, and I've got a day job, work two days a week in my day job. So, like, when, when you look at, you know, like three and a half, four years ago, I was sleeping eight, literally 18 hours a day in, yeah. in bed, 24 hours a day, um, to where I am now. You know, God, God has really blessed me massively. Um, and, you know, it's been, it has been hard work, of course. I've had to put work in, but, you know, ultimately what i what i think i'm trying to say is you know anything is possible yeah and, um, and no matter what what situation you're in um there's always hope you know and just i i hate the i hate the idea of people running out of hope you know and losing completely losing hope and that yeah. i think that's devastating and so you know whether it might be raining today but you know the sun the sun might might be out tomorrow and that that yeah. hope is, is you know what keep what, what what keeps us going and um so yeah that's just a little word of encouragement it sort of reigns back to what we started at the start of the conversation about school and the fact that you did all right at school when you tried and the teachers you know probably knew you had that potential and it says a lot i bet there is a, there are a lot of people have got that potential and it's just wasted. What a waste. You know, you see like homeless mm. and things like that. These um, brilliant artists that are homeless and things like that. If they could just, you know, ha- what you've done is turned all that badness into goodness. And look at, look at where you are now. You know what I mean? But mm. you do have to put the work in. You put that work in. You know what I mean? And you, you do have to do that. But you can't, you're such a positive like you say, for people to look at you and, and see how you've turned that around because it's such a waste, isn't it? If people can waste that talent. I actually say now, like I look back and I, and I say all of that trauma, you know, all that prison time, everything, you know, apart from some of the mistakes I made, but I've got, I've got to look at that, the, the abuse and all that sort of stuff as a positive now, you know, because yeah. only for me, for me, from my situation, because it's made me who I am today. Yeah. It's made me. It's made me in someone that I'm, that I'm proud of, and you know that that you know that I am, you know that I'm, you know, that I'm proud of. And at the end of the day, like it's happened. There's, it's happened, and I can't change that it's happened. You know, but now you know now I've, I've shared my story. You know, at the Bank of England, the Foreign Office, uh, Conservative Conference, and you know, and now with me. times and, and with you and. Um, you know, now I'm able to use use that, you know, and, and kind of like like I say, inspire hope into people, you know, who have who have also been through through traumatic times and who who are in desperate situations, you know. And we we were talking at the Foreign Office last week about the links between you know alcohol um, uh, addictions and and mental health, you know, and that I'd had some you know there were diplomats, you know, saying that we're, we're struggling, you know, like drinking is part of our culture and. Yeah. Anyway, I was able to kind of share some insights and some wisdom and, and obviously share my story. And I had people saying, you know, I'm going to make serious changes to my life now, my lifestyle after hearing what you've said. And for me, like thinking that, like being able to do that, being able to get people to open up, starting conversations, you know, hopefully 
being able to help change some lives, that, that is the biggest blessing in the yeah. world. That literally is the biggest blessing in the world. And so all of that shit I went through now is history, you know, and I'm turning, I'm turning my victimhood into a victory, you know. How old are you, James? I am 27. So you're just starting your journey, really. You know, you've got such a wise head on your shoulders. You know what I mean? Where you are now, you will only get, you know, you'll only get wiser and, you know, things will expand over your horizon. As, you, as you're getting older, you, you're very ahead of your years, aren't you? You've really given it some to get where you are. It's been, it's just been full throttle like, the last few years. Yeah. It's just been, it's just been up and up and up and, you know, I just pray like every single day, you know, for more wisdom and, and you know, that God, you know, God keeps, you know, hold, holding me up and, you know, Jesus keeps walking with me and, you know, I've just got faith and I've just got to keep putting the work in, put the hours in and, um, you know, ultimately if I can help save one life, then it'll all be worth it, you know, Definitely. it'll be worth it. Definitely. And if you had to give someone a bit of advice, maybe someone's out there thinking it's not worth carrying on or, you know, they're in a real dark place. What sort of advice do you think you could, you could give them? I think going back to what I said, you know, anything, literally anything is possible, you know, if you can try and put your mind to it. Um, and at the end of the day, like if I, if I couldn't do it, yeah. like, you can do it too, you know, like yeah. I seriously believe that, you know, I was in a desperate situation and, um, you know, I've done it, and I think you know that that like things like things that helped me were you know changing the people that I was surrounding myself with. One, um, number two, um, obviously forgiving my abuser, but actually you know looking at what's the underlying issue, you know what's causing the the pain, this desperation, the you know this the, the mental health, whatever it is. Um, so dealing with the underlying issue. Number three, I'd say, was um, obviously exercising. You know, that's massively helpful for me, going to the gym. Number four was watching my diet. Um, and then, you know, number five would, would probably be, you know, just um, just trying new things, you know, just trying getting out there. Like, you know, I picked golf back up and, you know, I started trying to cook, cook. And, um, you know, it, it was a great way to meet new people as well. So... Um, and obviously my faith, you know, my faith would actually have to come number one. But you yeah, know, yeah, people, yeah, yeah. I just think, you know, there's, you know, like you said, everyone's got potential, and just, just cling on to, to hope, you know, because yeah, tomorrow, tomorrow could be better. Definitely. Now, I always ask my guests for a favourite, uh, which you forgot <laughs> earlier. Uh, <laughs> now, I always say it can be a book, TV, film, anything just that's available for other people. So if you give them a recommendation, they can go and buy it today or watch it today. Have you thought of a favourite, James? <laughs> no, it, it's like straight away, it's Shoe Dog, um, right. which is Phil Knight. So Shoe Dog is the story of Nike. Um, so it's the, the, the literally the whole story of Phil Knight, how he started Nike, um, like from, I don't know, 50s or whenever it was to now. Yeah, um, and I just found it incredibly inspiring, you know, for you know, for for entrepreneurs, you know, like myself, who you know, aspiring entrepreneurs and you know, businessmen and women. Um, it was it's a, a good read, a really really good read. I loved it. Oh, I've never I've never heard of that. I'll give I'll give that a read. It sounds sounds interesting. Do you do a lot of reading now, um, James? Do you get time? I've got an economic a book on economics here that I'm reading for uni. <laughs> Um, yeah, you wouldn't recommend it though, would you? <laughs> no, I'm not, 
skim reading. Should I say? I'm also reading Elon Musk's book at the moment. How are you? Yeah, I'm trying to. I, I, I'm reading like one page a week. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. No, Great. I don't get much time to read. Good stuff. And if people, so your brand, if people want to get in contact with you or look at your brand and everything, have you got like a website or, or any links? Yeah, the website's everse.co.uk and it's everse is double E-V-E-R-S-E, E-E-V-E-R-S-E. And then um, the Instagram and Facebook is everse UK. Cool. Uh, the, the t-shirts will be available hopefully in the next month to, to, to buy um and you know i already said about what we're doing yeah, yeah and it's a totally new, is it is it how long's the company been going not that long then no we're just about to kind of relaunch um kind of changed all the brand guidelines and everything and just about to kind of relaunch um we've, it's evolved quite a bit and so yeah it's almost like a fresh start for us really so yeah, yeah do show your support give us a follow you know give us a share and definitely yeah, it, well, I'll, I'll put all the links in all the social media and all that kind of thing so we'll make sure we we spread the word um but um look thanks ever so much for coming on today i know you're so busy james and it's been difficult trying to link up um mm. but it's such an amazing story you've done so well and uh, it's so positive for other people mate you know what i mean uh, and like you say if it just helps one person you've got to be happy with that Definitely. Well, thank you, man. You're the one giving, you're the one, you know, sharing people's stories through your platform and, you know, oh. giving people the opportunity to speak up about these things. So well yeah. done. Thank you. Well, thank you me. know, I'm just here to listen to the brilliant stories. Um, now what I would say is if you can, if you get time next year, come back on, tell us how Everse getting on, let us know the second part of the story and, and everything yeah, that's happening. Good. And we'll, we'll definitely go for a game of golf as well. Yeah, definitely. I'll be, I'll be up for that. Yeah. You'll probably yeah, whip my ass, to be honest with you. I was just about to say that, and then I stopped myself. And I thought, actually, <laughs> I'll, get, I'll, get, I'll get in practice. I'll get in practice. Yeah. All yeah. right, then, mate. Well, look, thanks ever so much for coming on, and we will speak to you again soon. Thanks, buddy. Thank you so Thank much. You. God bless, James. Bye. So that's it. Massive thanks again to James for joining me all the way from Dan Essex for joining me today and also for you for listening. For you for listening, that doesn't even make sense. Make sure you follow the podcast because coming up over the next month, there are some more extraordinary interviews. The podcast will be streaming on the usual platforms, including iTunes and Spotify. So please leave a rating on there and subscribe. To keep up to date, follow Facebook, which is My Way of Thinking Podcast, and also Twitter, which is My Way of Thinking, with a three on the end instead of a G. Every week, I also put the whole conversation on YouTube, so you can see this pretty beautiful face. Uh, just put My Way of Thinking Podcast, and that will come up on YouTube. And finally, if you want to get in touch with you think you may be a great guest or you know someone, who might be a great guest, then email me. Uh, the email's moatpodcast at aol.com. Phew, let's go through. I hope you enjoyed that podcast. It was pretty phenomenal. There's lots more uh, podcasts coming up that are quite remarkable, so make sure you keep listening in. If you know people that enjoy it, tell them too. That's enough for tonight. Until next time, God bless. Enjoy your circuit breaker, whatever that means. Uh, and take care. Until next time, speak soon.